Hello, good evening, good afternoon and good morning. I've got to stop saying that, but it sounds fun, so I'll carry on. My name is Chris and welcome to this special World Cup edition, volume two of French Football Weekly. Uh, just a three-man or three-person crew, that's awfully sexist of me, so I shall introduce the lovely hello, Philippa Patty B, first Shepherd. of all. <laughs> yes, uh, hello. <laughs> hello. And, and, and John Terry. And John Terry. I don't even want to know how many of them have fucked up at this point. <laughs> but but not, not Lord Sugar, we won't mention that uh, <laughs> controversy today. Uh, I've also got Jez Smith with me. Hello, Jez. Hi. Hello. Uh, no Rich tonight. Uh, he's a bit tied up. Not literally. That would be a bit weird. But uh, well, at least I hope not. But we are here to uh, to break down the, the first game. It seems like an age ago now, doesn't it? When France entertained the uh, the Socceroos of Australia. There's so um, many games. It's like there are. Oh. There's there's one going on as we speak. Iran are seven nil up on on Spain. No, they're not really. Um, Can I ask? I think this is game twenty. At what point is it socially acceptable to say it's been a really shit World Cup so far? Oh, oh I think it's controversial. Been good. <laughs> I you know, the, the big teams messing up means the shots have been are, are mm. tighter. I think it's the good. shots have been good. I think the quality of the football has been awful. Yeah, I I would probably go along with that. Yeah, some unexpected results, but not particularly brilliant games. Um, I watched Sweden the other day; that was painful. Well, that's your mistake, frankly. So I I have a little soft spot for Sweden, but I have a bigger soft spot for France, and that's of course what we're going to talk about today. Uh, So, a slightly shortened podcast this week because uh, obviously there's only one game to talk about, one game to preview. So, a little truncated edition of FFW this week. We'll start by re- uh, by cycling the clock back, or turning the clock back, I should say, to last Saturday, uh, where France got their World Cup campaign off and running uh, with a 2-1 victory over the aforementioned Socceroos. Um, Phil, let's get your thoughts first of all. In a World Cup that we've already touched on so far has produced a lot of the, the big guns stumbling. Um, France were far from impressive, but they got the job done. That's pretty much all we could ask at this stage, right? Yeah, I think, you know, it looked awkward um, because it wasn't an easy win. They didn't look fluid. They didn't look particularly comfortable. But then with some other people screwing up significantly more, the fact that France actually have got the three points is great. And we move on. I think the, you know, the, the team coming out, they had the front three of Dembele, Mbappé, Griezmann, which, you know, in itself looks like you know you know a a, a warm chocolate kind of dessert you know of loveliness um unfortunately it doesn't kind of pan out like that i saw a tweet from michael cox which says you know if you've got a front three who you know and technically they're theoretically they're all going to be switching positions and playing fluid loose football it sounds great but it doesn't quite work out that way i think that's what we saw um and they didn't look comfortable. They didn't have a great deal of um, kind of forward thrust. And I saw kind of two of the analyses I saw afterwards, which are kind of interesting. Uh, first, we got um, Elf Tegan Elf uh, does uh, XG analysis, but also pass maps. And his pass map of France basically had those three pretty much hitting the same average position. The problem was in his dynamic pass map, which is this kind of video he does of um, showing how the positions, the players and the positions move around through through the game. There was this gaping hole in the middle where you would expect a centre forward to be. And when Fekir and when Giroud came on, you saw that 
you know change you saw it move to being more pointed so there was the idea that you're playing three players who are excellent but maybe are not focal points who were being too freewheeling and loose and shifting position it meant there was an absence of um an absence of focus uh, and penetration in front of goal and the second thing i noticed was neil charles has put up uh, a brilliant data viz from the first round of games which is shots and attacking passes for all of the teams and france's visuals there were just like a a, a kind of a dull blob rather than anything focused anything intense anything in particular areas it's all very central actually not much coming from the wings and so I think what we saw there I mean they got the win and kind of hallelujah for that they're gonna have to be better in the next game and the game's coming up because facing particularly a kind of a, a physical uh, opposition they just didn't seem to be playing the right game either for themselves or for the opposition I think you make some some excellent points there I, I think we we talked about didn't we on the last podcast about what the lineup was going to be I'm pretty sure we did call what we expected um mm. Jez let's let's sort of drill down a little bit into some individual performances just before we talk about the, the game um I'm not going to give uh, a certain Mr. Mark Lawrence much airtime, but he was a particular fan of Benjamin Pavard. Um, what a prat. I'm sorry, but honestly. How, I, how dare France feel the player that he's never I heard know, of because he exactly. can't do any research. And, and he, I don't know why the guy watches football. I really don't. He's such a joyless man. Um, but him aside, uh, if I had to say Pavard wasn't, you know, wasn't brilliant on the day, I didn't think he was a, he was a bad performance. Lucas Hernandez was, was drafted in as well as expected. And, and there's that front three I wanted to touch on. Um, Griezmann sort of playing with, with Dembele and, and Mbappe. What do you think, Jez? Do we, do we, do we judge it on that performance and, and then maybe go with it again against Peru, which we'll come on to? Or is it just simply that, that those, they are just too fluid? I mean, Dembele in particular looked quite lost at times. Um. I think, I mean, you mentioned three of the players there who were kind of World Cup debutants and you know, practically international debutants. Um, and I think that's one of the things that has to be, I think there's lots of factors that, that came into what was not a very good performance. But one of them has to be, as I think you mentioned before, this, this, only nine of this squad are in the Euro squad. Um, that's that's a massive turnover, and mm. you've got players like Pava, Hernandez, Dembele, Mbappe as well. We have to remember that he's still a kid and, and relatively new on the, on the scene. Mm. Um, this is you know the biggest match, certainly the biggest stage of their career. So I think you, you have there are mitigating circumstances. You have to be sort of a little bit compassionate um, mm. if it wasn't you know. If, they were a little bit caught between the headlights. The one I felt maybe that, that happened to the most actually was Teliso, who by all accounts isn't going to play tomorrow. I feel a little sorry for him. Mm. But um, in terms of the front three, as Phil said, I mean, the, the two big issues are firstly, if you look at their average position, I can't remember which two are exactly on top of each other. Yeah. I mean, there's all like sort the of circle time. numbers and there's one number you can't even see because it's exactly under the other one and mm. the third is not that far away. More to the point, I think, I'm pretty sure in the whole match between them, 
between the three of them, they exchanged four passes. Yeah. That's dire. And I know that um, one of the big problems was sort of link up between the midfield and the, and the forwards. But the forwards, if you have a look at the um, the stats, they had enough of the ball. Dembele lost mm. the ball 14 times. Yeah, so, I mean, if they're going to play that kind of front three where they're all switching around and, and being a, a swarm of bees coming towards you, part of playing that way is they need to pass to each other. Exactly. And, and that just didn't, didn't seem to happen. I think um, Mbappe, I think it's something we need to watch for because he can tend to be very selfish. Dembele, I mean, that's the nature of, of how he plays. And I mean, I've said all the time that there's, I would never, there's lots of combinations that I'd be happy to see, but I would never start with Dembele at the moment. I think he will be fantastic. Mm. I think he's clearly in moments already fantastic, but I don't, I think he's far too raw. And yeah. I just I wouldn't be but, starting with him. Like you said, but he's a brilliant option. Like think Off of 70, 75 minutes in exactly to just absolutely scare the shit out of a bunch of tired defenders. I, I really That'd feel it's a, it's a double win because I don't think yeah. he should be on there from the start, and I think he'd be. Mm. frightening off the bench the, the, the one that was that was a real concern for me and I, I think it's a one-off is Griezmann because like I said you definitely expect it from Dembele you, you expect it from Mbappe to an extent and Griezmann although he won the penalty and although stunningly he was named the official man of the match mm -hmm. um, he really had an off day and uh, I think he was carrying a little bit of an ankle knock and and, you know, off days happen. At the start of the Euro, he had a bad first match. He started on the bench in the second match, and we all know what, what happened after that. So I'm hoping we see something similar. Not him starting off the bench tomorrow, but a similar sort of... Um, Play his way you know, in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, I do... I'm, I am a bit pissed off with him about all this, you know, the Atletico, will oh. he, won't he, the, yeah. you know, the oh, yeah. press conference, no, I'm not talking about it, oh, here's my hour-long documentary about it. And actually, Dugori said today that apparently there's even been a, a bit of him sort of phoning around other players, I assume they mean Lamar and Hernandez, doing a bit of the old recruitment and helping Atletico out. Mm. Once you're in the France squad, especially for a World Cup, once you're in the camp, that's all mm, you should be concerned about. And even but if you it, it can say they can like... switch it off. It yeah. does sound like the, um, the the France kind of um, machine is actually uh, enabling this. With, yeah, because how's Deschamps allowing this? I mean, of all coaches... It's you just like, surely, like Jez says, you should just say, right, you're here now. Yeah. Turn the fucking Instagram off. Um, it, unless it's the well. post, <laughs> you know, allez les bleus. Yeah. yeah it, so it's, it does seem a bit weird, particularly... Because there was that weird thing in the press conference with the press officer going postal saying everything has to be in French. Mm. Well, you can't have a press conference and do that and be kind of letting people into the training camp to do videos. That's... I mean, what the hell is that about? Yeah, um, I don't get it. But yeah. I think that fair I'm play hoping... to that Spanish journalist. To be fair, that was hilarious. But I mean, Griezmann, I think. It could go either way, but I'm hoping, especially, like I said, based on, on past examples, that he's the kind of player who maybe occasionally needs a little sort of, for, for his ego to be pricked a little. And by all accounts, he was pretty pissed off that he went off on 70 minutes. And by the way, everyone, we're going to, I'm sure, come on to everyone slagging off Deshto, and I'm going to defend him as usual. But people <laughs> slating him for taking Griezmann off on 70 minutes with the score at one all, and what if they hadn't scored? 
they did score. Yeah. If it's because they brought on Olive, I am hashtag Team Olive. But if they, you know, if it had stayed at one all, then you can have a go. But why not give the the manager credit for changing something and that change actually winning the match? Yeah, Mm. because that seemed to take them from like a four three three to like a four four two diamond kind of thing again because you got Olive and um, Mbappe kind of taking the forward role and um, Fekir coming on for Dembele in the same substitution that that was a change in shape as well as um, you know a change in personnel mm. and it worked like I said looking at these um, the, the kind of the pass maps that, that Elf Taken Elf does you could see in the, the dynamic pass map that the shape changed significantly to move forward and to be more central and to be more focused and so that's um yeah i'm kind of hoping that against peru i kind of don't know whether the first lineup he picked would be the best lineup for that but i think you've got to play Giro against denmark and those those defenders oh, definitely yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a given. And um, speaking of of givens as well, uh, I wanted to just ask: Did either of you? Because I think Jez, you tweeted this at the time. France uh, history makers once again the first penalty to be awarded by VAR in a World Cup. <laughs> I was genuinely staggered. I had quite a lot of well. There's two things I'll bring up here. You can each have one if you like. In uh, another podcast I'm part of, we have groups, WhatsApp groups, and we would, uh, they take great pleasure in winding me up about my, my love for France. And uh, <laughs> they've carried on bitching and whinging, as did the entire social media presence of England, about the fact that the French players went down very easily. Uh, they're not the only nation, I might add. Um, and also, they were insistent it was not a penalty. But he was I, tripped. It, it was wasn't the first leg. It was the yeah. second. It was the trailing leg. Got and him he and... gets to the ball if he doesn't get clipped, is my argument. He gets yeah. to the ball that he gets through. He's not, you know, I'm not saying he would have got the shot away, not saying he would have scored, but he impeded him. I, I presume you both hmm. agree it was a penalty then. Yeah. I, I, agree, I agree it was a penalty. If it had gone against France, I'd have you, been yeah, quite it's, angry. It's, it's one fair, of those we can't really though. argue with the one that did go against France with them. Did he playing handball? Yeah, literally, quite literally in the area. And I mean, it's one of those penalties as well that I think if you don't have VAR, it, you probably don't get it because there's enough of the movement on the ball and there's enough doubt for the referee to not give it. But the fact VAR clearly confirmed it was for me made it a clear penalty. There which was France's. Uh, yes, yeah. And the only argument I would say with Umtiti, I mean, that was bizarre and extreme at echoes of Thiago Silva uh, for Brazil a few World Cup, oh, uh, last World Cup previous. I, some people saying that should have been a red for deliberate handball. I, I don't feel that way. I, I, uh, I think that you, you see, who was it? Was it Colombia mm. where they lost somebody for Sanchez, a, yeah. a handball within about five minutes? Which I also thought was harsh because although it's... It, it yes, is hand, because... It's arm, isn't it? Like it... I mean, Mtizzi did, it was definitely a handball. Mm. You say, was it deliberate? I mean, where do you kind of draw the line there? Because he genuinely didn't seem to know where his arms were. And mm. therefore, is, is it therefore not deliberate? Whereas the Colombian guy, I didn't see that I, game. I think, was, I think Mtizzi's was deliberate. But I mean, it was just one of those stupid, maybe instinctives that your hand yeah. up. But it wasn't. Like when, I you, mean, when you flinch... You, yeah, you, you exactly. Do I mean, 
It's absolutely, you know, absolutely no doubt a penalty, but it mm. wasn't to stop a goal-scoring opportunity or anything like that. Sanchez's was to stop him. It wasn't quite um, Suarez, but it was to stop the ball going in the net. So, mm. I, I mean, there's a separate issue about the whole double double punishment double and you know, get the goal yeah. and the, but um, no, in TT's, I'm surprised I didn't even hear anyone suggest that it should be a sending off. I should have guessed English Twitter would be suggesting that about France. Um, one thing um, I just want to maybe bring up if we've got a couple of minutes is um, obviously I've got uh, French TV, so the the um, kind of hair shirts and wailing and hair tearing is going on as we speak, as well as Omar Da Fonseca, uh, the BN commentator, losing his mind uh, at the Argentina-Iceland game. Um, but one of the programmes I saw, uh, Christophe Galtier was one of the guests, and they were talking about whether France need a leader. Because obviously uh, Hugo Lloris is, is the captain, which is having a goalkeeper's captain is a bit kind of different um and they were talking about Pogba being very vocal and giving instructions on the pitch and Galtier uh gave this great quote which was to speak is one thing to be listened to is another hmm. yeah do I... we do we think that having a leader on the pitch a vocal leader who everybody follows is is an issue I think it is. I think we touched on it last week when we were comparing the, the 98 team and the 18 team. I really mm -hmm. think that that was one of the big differences, that in that team there were a hell of a lot of leaders. And actually I was chatting to, to Rich today about um, the, the various reasons for the 2002 debacle. And I think it was because a lot of it was because Blanc and Deschamps weren't there as much as anything else to keep Desai's ego in check. And mm. um, Zidane, obviously. I mean, he was there, but injured. Um, so I and I was never convinced, certainly compared to like say rugby or cricket, that that footballing captains are that important. And I suppose it doesn't really matter who's wearing the armband. But I do think it's important to have leaders on the pitch, and I mm -hmm. don't think France have many. And there's an article in L'Equipe today. Again, I'm sure we'll discuss when we, when we get to the talking about tomorrow's match, but about Matuidi and how, first of all, he is a leader on the pitch, and secondly, as you just said, he is someone that the others listen to. Mm. Pogba may or may not be the second bit, I don't know, but I, you know, he does have the sort of, I think, the, the aura and the confidence that he could be a leader. Star quality, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe he has to back it up with more consistent performances. Mm. Griezmann as well, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a big a huge talker or anything like that no. but generally people listen to the star player mm. but yeah i don't think there's quite enough um leadership shown uh, you know we harked back a lot to, to the psg barcelona match and we've all enjoyed or i certainly enjoyed um giving it up putting a lot of the flack on on tiago silva for setting a poor tone and you know the defense dropping deeper and deeper with him and he's the one that should have been pushing the whole team 20 meters 30 meters forward mm. i mean it was the same against australia where was the the midfielder or whoever to say come on lads let's let's give the let's all push up and give the give the front three more support mm. and, and also I, I almost wanted somebody 
in the game you know it's crying out i was watching it sort of getting frustrated and it almost was crying out for somebody to to give the sort of famous alex ferguson uh comment of lads it's tottenham type of speech you know it, as much as I, I i know that sounds really derogatory against uh australian i'm sure it kind of is meant to be nothing against australia you know credit where credit's due they came out with the game plan they battled hard mm. um, they defended really well i think they did. you know obviously our focus is france but australia went out there with a plan and did it very well and because they are limited and and that's and i, th- I think i think the yeah, only so thing kind of you've got to be practical you can't oh you can't go out and take on france no i i agree i i think that's the i think that's the only thing that sort of disappoints me in that uh, i suppose we probably feel it more being being english and being around you know your classic england fans who who want nothing positive to say about france at all especially of all nations especially france or, or germany but the media over here been quite critical of of the big size and i almost sort of wish that france had just come out the blocks and and almost sort of done a russia which i never thought i'd ever mm. say and just blown away a team and and really laid a marker where spain brazil uh croatia weren't brilliant uh, who are argentina stumbled germany obviously lost no, i think they've been talking up france's potential winners which i think we all feel slightly uncomfortable about because we're not sure about the ability to you know get get over the final line mm-hmm. and so the fact that as you say the other big teams screwed up Actually, having three points is really useful because a lot of groups have been thrown into being more interesting than you might have anticipated. Mm. I think and, that's that's the bottom line. I mean, yeah. uh, France are notoriously bad starters. Mm. Um, they get nervous. They often they they rarely win their first match. Um, so. I'd much rather come out of it with a, you know, ask any Portugal or Uruguay fan today. Yeah. Sure, they're quite, you know, dodgy performances, but they're quite happy to already be in the next round. Mm. The most important thing was France got that win and hopefully they can relax. In mm. terms of markers, uh, it would be lovely, but I was just thinking on the way in today, second match in the last World Cup, absolutely slaughtered Switzerland, who in the ranked mm. in the top 10 then 5-2. Mm. Um, then Benzema got a little bit too big for his boots as usual and I think he scored two goals in the next three games one of which was an own goal so um, a mark is nice but a kind of slow burn gradually improving and improving is even better yeah and, and also know. just quickly on um, just because we haven't really mentioned it yet um, mentioning Australia's good defence usually it's the French defence that looks a bit dodgy and I thought they were excellent they were apart yeah. from the handball I mean Loris made you know he's Oh, the save from Coco was exactly fantastic save, and it came from a French player. Mm, but I can't yeah. think of another clear Australia chance. I thought Varane was. Pretty uh, they had on the one day shot well. on target. That was the penalty. Penalty. Mm, yeah, that was that. And and I think as well, just sort of drawing a line under the, as you say, the performance as a whole, but just getting the win. It is funny again living in England as as I do. Um, the difference in home journalism, if you watch the England performance and the France performance, albeit, you know, credit where due England were, were pretty decent for 20 minutes, but ultimately got rather lucky in a last minute winner over Tunisia. And everyone says it's the best England performance in years. France beat Australia and it's, well, France were very unimpressive according to the English media. So it is, I guess it does depend where in, in the country or in the world you are and what sort of uh, outlook you, you have on, on things. But a win is a win. Um, 
let's just uh, sort of um, begin to wrap things up then with with a bit of chat about tomorrow's game. We're recording today on Wednesday, the 20th. Uh, France play uh, Peru in their second game tomorrow. I think it's the four o'clock game, UK time. Yes, I I have a French lesson scheduled at half past five. <sighs> the irony. <laughs> the match kicks off at five over here. I'm going to see the beginning and the end. I, I miss the middle I bit. So I want early goals and late goals. That's what I want. Yes, I should be. I'll probably Thank be you. in radio contact first half and uh, TV. Uh, half, so yeah. No, but um, I mean, I I watched the um. So the first game for them was Denmark one, uh, Peru nil. Mm. Um, I didn't see any of that. I must admit, it was it was a little bit gutting because Peru. It's kind of one of those ones where Peru played better, but Denmark were kind of bigger and taller and more organized more physically and peru's finishing jesus mm, i mean we, we say the france finishing um against australia was bad uh peru's finishing was was not good mm. and so you're kind of thinking well if that's their style fine but possibly they're not going to be that unlucky again if you mm. see what I mean. So it's yeah. going to be very important that our defence, the French defence is, you know, concentrating and um, not letting these guys run them in because they had some very good chances that just, just missed. Um, it was a, it was a fun game. Um, I think it was a, it was a kind of a clash of styles game. <laughs> Maybe uh, obviously uh, Simon Kier, who we're very familiar with, uh, from his time at Lille, etc., um, is their captain, and he kind of sets the tone, maybe, uh, for, for Denmark. Um, but I think Martin Braithwaite came on as, an, on as a late sub. But yeah, Peru, they're going to cause problems because they are fast technical players who are going to find space and move into it and dribble a lot and... Uh, the French defence does need to be able to keep an eye on people moving around very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the main concern that I had with the, the French lineup the other day was that with Mbappe and Dembele, you're going to get very little defensive support. And against yeah. Australia, for the most part, it wasn't too much of an issue because they set up not to attack and they don't have, I don't think, the, the mm. speediest, most um, sort of wily attack but Peru I mean they showed Will against attack. Denmark they're yeah. quick and they'll attack happily. nothing to lose either. and that's that's certainly the um, nothing to lose but also they, they really need to win so yeah. they're mm. really going to be going for it so, so I think Lamar that's why left well Do you think I mean a chance of that by all accounts, it's going to be a four-two-three-one with Matuidi and I, d- I actually do understand that I mean, the mm-hmm. energy he gives he is going to be um and especially because Peru looked like they were mostly attacking down their right. So I understand having someone like Matuidi on the left, he's got a great engine on him and can, you know, knows how to support the attack. He's got, I think, nine, nine goals for France and also knows how to come back and help the defence. Um, so at first I thought, when some people said 4-3-3, I keep said 4-2-3-1. I was like, it can't be a 4-2-3-1. But I do kind of understand it. And, I, and a lot of people have hark back to when he played in that position for PSG against Arsenal and actually played very well. So I'm more reassured than I was when I first read that on, on various levels, including the one earlier as well about leadership. 
I think I think it's fair to say that if if France, you know, at the risk, I, I don't want to sound arrogant. It's going to sound arrogant. So hey ho, France should have enough. I mean, they they should that if they turn up and they perform as as we know they can, they should have enough to to dispatch Peru. But I think what we're all saying essentially is. Um, you can't take your eye off the ball. I mean, it only Peru have lost. I think about two matches, maybe three, three now in the in the last couple of years. Yeah, mm. um, they've beaten teams like Brazil away. I think, mm. um, and you know, they they, they are really committed. And having lost the first game, mm. they will yeah. be going for this. I mean, yeah. but but a friend of the site, Roberto, he's uh, he sent me a link to the unofficial World Championship, which basically oh, judges. Yeah. Um, football and sort of boxing terms. So Denmark are now the new world champions, having beaten Peru, but Peru had been the reigning champions for a long time. Yeah. Um, and th- yeah, they're not easy to beat. France do not have a great record in general against South American teams, ironically, apart from Brazil. Um, so it's certainly not a foregone conclusion. No. And of course, if France do win, uh, that guarantees. No, it doesn't, does it? Well, I suppose uh, it depends on the depend, Denmark. Probably it depends on the other match. Because if that's a draw, France are through, aren't they? Um, I think I might um, say. That's yeah, six France points. win and that's a draw. I think. Yeah, and that's yeah. a playoff between the two for top spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's fair to say we, we expect qualification at this stage. Um, you know, we're not uh, biased enough to say that, that we don't need to improve because there is a, a huge amount of improvement needed. Um, one other thing I was just going to ask, this is just purely uh, a trivial thing. Why did France go with the blue socks in this game? Anyone know? <laughs> just, I'm just curious. Uh, I just, I thought that was weird I, because Australia had yellow socks. I didn't really understand. I've got that. a feeling what, that might be the first sock socks now. are they normally? Ah, it's usually red, isn't red. it? Red yeah. looks best, but I'm not sure they've had that for a while. I don't know. Mm. Ah, strange. Yeah. Uh, write in, people, if you know the answer. You know me, yeah. kids. Um, yes. And on 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 Giroud, oh, I don't know. We've got time to to have a rant about the. Deschamps haters. You you can if you wish. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just think that uh, people don't know what they want. They need to make up their minds. I agree that Deschamps possibly should do a Mike Bassett and say I'm going with whatever four four fucking two and, and tell everyone else where to go. <laughs> and then dance at um, the bar in his pants, maybe something like that. But and you know he's the coach. You should set the tone. But it is ridiculous that you know everything he does he gets criticized for and uh, rich made a very good point he's kind of the Giroud of the of the managerial world <laughs> uh, Giroud comes on he sets up a goal he plays he scores i understand that he's a different type of player to the others but actually he should make it easier for them because you know that Giroud is going to stay down the middle so the others can yes. work around him mm. rather than having three the players with a relatively similar profile. Yeah. Exactly. So the other day they didn't know who was going to be in the middle, who was going to be wide, and they all ended up in the same place. If Griezmann and Mbappe are such great, clever players, they should be able to work around Giroud better than they did against America. Mm. And, you know, he offers something the others don't. Again, you know, oh, but he's, you know, he's nowhere near as skillful as the others. Bollocks. And he proved yeah. it the other day with a flick for Pogba. Exactly. I understand this, whenever why. they say he's just a big man up front, I so, I, I throw things. Exactly. Really. And I, re- I understand why people 
um, say they'd rather have these three exciting players because you know they're worth several hundred million pounds each and all the rest of it and people don't watch them every week or watch them combine usually for France and I understand they played well in friendlies against England and Italy but this is a World Cup this is why you need maybe players like like Matuidi this is why you need um, uh, so I was distracted by ridiculous play acting from the Iran goalkeeper. We need focus and concentration, ironically, um, as opposed to, you know, kind of the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you, you know, it's easy to say France should win the World Cup because they've got seven brilliant attackers or whatever. You can't win a World Cup by playing <laughs> seven brilliant attackers. This is, you know, I, this isn't, this this isn't, 90, so this isn't 1970 about the women's team. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I think uh, I think we're all in agreement then that, that that if if France turn up, we'd like them to turn up in style and 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 put to bed any doubt. And and it would be it would be really good. I mean, as you said there, Jez, kind of keeping an eye on Spain at the moment. They're they're struggling to to break down Iran at the moment. You know, it would just be really nice if if France turned up tomorrow and and really put. Uh, put a sort of a, a beating on someone or at least maybe run out a couple of goal winners and, and put in a real performance. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, um, which should be, which should be a bonus and maybe keep England people quiet for five minutes. Um, but uh, yes, I, I think that's probably where we will leave it for today. I do just want to give a customary nod to the new Lille badge, which is rather smart in, in rather unassociated Ligue 1 news. Uh, and of course, the uh, news that we mentioned last week that's now official, Bielsa to Leeds. So the, uh, the the spread bets on how many days he will last at, at Leeds. At time of recording. <laughs> at time of recording, yes. Could, could change oh, at Jesus. any moment. Um, but yes, we will, uh, we will aim to pod again uh, next week week i think that's probably the plan mm-hmm. um try and make some time work uh, i may be on holiday i don't know yet depends on the uk passport office but somebody will be here all being well and uh, we will uh, have a chat about peru uh, if you have got anything that you wish to send our way or anything you want to ask us or any general observations or if you just want to slate mark lawrenson's commentary uh, please feel free to uh, send us a tweet and we will get to those. Uh, I don't think we had any correspondence this week. so um, One day it will be Jonathan Pierce and Mark Lawrenson together and I oh, will spontaneously converse. I am so <laughs> fucking pleased I don't have to deal with this at home. They're, they are not really. the only ones that are terrible as well. Yeah. Uh, although, can, I just, can I just say that um, Phil's punditry was really good today and I'd like to give her a little clap. Very good. Please feel free. Uh, and and I quite like Ali McCoist in other news. But uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Um, right, we will leave it there then. Uh, thank you very much to you both for uh, for uh, popping along this evening to talk a little bit of Les Bleus. Uh, thank so you. thank you very much, Phil. And thank you, Jez. Thank you. And as I say, we'll be back uh, probably, uh, it'll either be Tuesday, Wednesday next week, I'm sure. Keep an eye on the timeline and uh, we will let you know when we're back in your ears. But until then, uh, keep cheering on those mighty Frenchmen in blue or white, depending on what they wear. Peru is up next and we'll see where we go from there. Thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you very soon.